I often say that addiction is the result of not knowing how to find safety inside of yourself. So you find it in something else and understandably you get hooked on it because you're desperate for safety. That's all you're guilty of. Any of you looking to learn more about supporting addiction recovery through a trauma-informed and somatic lens and a nutritional lens, please join me for my addiction circle. This is a bi-monthly, entirely free, virtual circle that I invite anyone here to come and join if they want more information. Addiction tends to be so steeped in shame, and I find that doing this work in a community of people helps to destigmatize that shame so you can see how not alone you are in the experience. So whether you are personally withdrawing, preventing, experiencing relapse, or you work with people who are actively addicted or in recovery, all are welcome. The next addiction circle is Tuesday, July 2nd at 4 p.m. EDT. This meeting is not recorded for the sake of anonymity. No registration is necessary. Just join through the link below. Today I speak with Anna, the holistic parent, about how taking care of ourselves allows us to parent our children better. I was having a tantrum coming on and what I was being taught was I wasn't allowed to have that tantrum. I was a bad kid for feeling my feelings and I had to keep that inside of me. So it's really important for parents to allow their children to just feel what's coming out of them. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I'm your host, Luis Mujica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply. Listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized that the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now. I love Anna's work because she speaks about exactly what I speak about uh, with a focus on parenting. And it couldn't be any more important because when I hear the word holistic or the term holistic, holistic for me means everything is important. Everything is of value. Everything connects. Everything is connected. Everything affects everything. It's radical work. It's 360 degrees. It takes an open mind. Uh, It's not one-sided. Holistic parenting is just that. It's radical work. You're consistently focused on a practice of embodiment. So you can notice where your body is as you're with your child. What's my child triggering in me? What parts of my own childhood are coming up? What fears do I project onto them? And then how do I treat them out of those fears? 
Holistic parenting is a beautiful way to heal yourself. And then by doing so, you create more capacity in your nervous system to hold space for your children. We can only hold space for people as much as we hold space for ourselves and as much capacity as we have, right? So my ability to hold space for you comes from the amount of capacity I have. That's the way I'm trying to say that. And that's the same for parenting. When a parent is yelling at their child, hitting their child, uh, ignoring their child, you're seeing that adult's capacity. Doesn't justify abuse, that's for sure, but it explains it. Anyone that hurts anyone is doing it out of a sense of low capacity. Holistic parenting is all about creating more capacity for yourself and your own body so that your child has a predictable, safe place. And part of holistic parenting is inviting and being open to the fact that you're probably going to rupture sometimes. You're going to snap. You're going to yell. You're going to threaten. You're going to project onto your children. So instead of setting ourselves up for the being the perfect parent, if we set ourselves up for being a holistic parent, we're really open to everything being information so that we can become more loving to ourselves and others. And that's the kind of lifestyle I love to live and teach. Not perfection, but being open and curious and inquisitive. Why did I yell at my daughter? What was I feeling right before I yelled at her? What was my body feeling? What did I need that I maybe didn't even know I needed? And then when she pushed me or she spilled her drink or she yelled or she slammed the door, it awakened that in me. The more I've done this work myself, the less and the less and the less I've had any kind of outbursts on my daughter, which makes me very happy and relaxes my body so much to know that. I welcome you all to this episode as children yourselves, as parents, as step-parents, as teachers, as human beings. Learning how to parent ourselves better is step one. And then from there, we show up to the world and to our children and to our community with a kinder, more open, more flexible, and generous nervous system. Hey friends, I wanted to take a quick pause from the episode to remind you that my next course begins on Sunday, July 4th. My course runs for six weeks long and it teaches us how to listen to our bodies through nutrition, through herbalism, through the mind, and through somatic techniques. We meet every Sunday for an hour and a half and every Wednesday for an hour. Sundays are class sessions and Wednesdays are practice sessions. All the class sessions are recorded, so you have them for life. And you have them in case you have to miss one, so you can catch up. Throughout the six weeks, you'll have day-to-day support from me and your peers using Slack, which is an online workspace where you can go and ask questions, share recipes, share emotional experiences even. This allows everyone to learn and integrate and process in a safe, guided space together. 
If you have any questions and you're interested in this course, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com. There you'll find a tab that says online course, and then the option to sign up for the free webinar, which is on Sunday, June 6th at 10 a.m. Eastern. This webinar will answer all your questions with a live Q&A, and I will introduce the course to you so you have an idea of what to expect. Registration for the course opens up immediately after the webinar. So if you think you want to take this course, be prepared to register that day. It tends to sell out pretty quickly. If for some reason you're not ready now to take this course or you try and it's sold out, don't worry. I have another course coming up in fall. I love, love, love this offering and I look forward to seeing you all there. Now let's get back to the episode. And I'm going to welcome to my podcast today, Anna. Welcome. Hello. Now, you are known as the holistic parent on Instagram. Yes. Um, I started, um, I don't even know how I found your work, but I just remember somehow seeing it and really resonating with everything you were saying. And I thought it was interesting that you were inspired originally by content from the holistic holistic therapist, right? Holistic psychologist, yeah. Holistic psychologist, that's right. Holistic psychologist. And you took things she was saying and applied it to parenting, which I really loved um, because so much of her work is about reparenting and self-parenting. I thought, well, how nice to reflect that onto actually parenting children. So my first question is just what inspired you to do that? How'd that begin for you? Yeah. Um, so I had joined Nicole, the holistic psychologist self healer circle in right when it started in November of 2019. And as I was going through the material, I remember thinking to myself, wouldn't it be great if someone took this material and worked with parents and working with their own children, um, so that their own children wouldn't have to heal so hard from their childhoods. And I say so hard because all of us are going to have to heal from something from our childhoods. But wouldn't it be great if parents could work with their kids so that it wouldn't be so difficult to recover from their childhoods? And um, I decided to make that person me. I thought, why don't I? Why don't I, what, why don't I do it? And so I started the Instagram. Um, I had made three posts. I think it was. I had actually reached out to Nicole um, about the page, and then when she started following me, I was so surprised. And um, yeah, it went from there. That's so nice. Yeah. Uh- uh, the first thing that gets me is when you're talking about healing so hard. And yeah. um, what I heard when you said that was there's that inevitability that our bodies and our minds go into the world and have to deal with what, what they come in, in touch with, right? There's like yeah. that inevitable rupture that occurs. And then when I think of your work and the work that I like to do myself, it's like, how can I create the safety at home? How can I make home predictably safe? And then right. the world's going to be the world, but at least they have home to be safe. Is that right. what you're referring to as well? Yes, it is. And as well, I want to make the point that um, no matter what, no one is going to be 100% conscious. So at some point, every parent and parent figure is going to unintentionally do or say something that's going to hurt their child. Um, And so that is also what I'm referring to is that we're all going to do something that our children are going to have to heal from in their childhoods. Mm -hmm. 
And then being open to that is so much better than trying to imagine you're going to do it perfectly. Totally. Exactly. Then it's, um, if I were to talk about parenting in a way where I was perfect, like, yeah, right. That would be a difficult image to hold up to. And actually that is an image that many parenting coaches and public figures try to hold themselves up to. And so, no, I know I'm not a a perfect parent. And I think that that attracts a lot of, um, my clients and people that follow my page is that I, I'm more humanized that way. I'm not above them. I'm very much on their level, which is the truth. That That is the tone I get from your page. I think that's why I like it as well. Because I, I think in any context of healing, to create this mythology of the perfect healed person, yeah. it's so dangerous and, totally. and painful, right? Um, totally. And it sets up this strange thing that sometimes we see in marketing as well, where it, it sets up this comparison comparison of imperfect and perfect and people striving to be like the master. Um, and I don't like creating those kind of tethers with people. No, so I, I appreciate that you don't either. Thank um, you. Yeah. I, I guess the, the, now that we're talking like this, I'm thinking <laughs> like there's this, there's this term in somatic therapy called rupture and repair. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, sl- slightly, but if you could go over it again. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious how you think about it. Um, so the idea is rupture is when something unpredictable happens to the nervous system, something right. overwhelming, something right. can be traumatic or stressful. Right. And then the repair is who you have to co-regulate with, right? Right. And right. so when you talk about like not being a perfect parent, that's exactly in line with the somatic principles of rupture and repair because a parent inevitably is going to be the cause of a child's rupture. Right. But the repair makes it so actually builds the resilience and the trust in the relationship even more right. versus rupturing without repair. Right. So I, I guess I'm curious about like, I don't know if the word tools is correct, but I just want your input on how you've taught or experienced the repair when there's a rupture between parent and child. Right. So yeah, so that is very much about co-regulation, right? So a parent a parent can only regulate a child as much as the parent regulates themselves. So children are very much mirrors. So if you are if you're yelling, if you can't handle yourself, if you're screaming, then a child is going to mirror that back at you, right? So it's very much um, you have to be able to center yourself and ground yourself and something that I talk a lot about is, well, it's emotional regulation. So there are certain things that you can do with emotional regulation. You can practice consciously putting yourself in a calm state and that um, one of the ways that you can do that is through meditation. So for me, I know that meditation really helps me. If I meditate daily, when I'm in a situation with my stepkids where I feel like anger is coming over me, my body is easier to come back to a calm state because I practice that consciously daily. Um, And there's other things that you can do. You can do breath work. Um, You can take note of the five senses. So it's really about bringing yourself back into your body and back into the present moment, rather than allowing yourself to get carried away with your emotions. I love that. I mean, that, that's the, the foundation of my work as well as embodiment, right? And there's yeah, so yeah. many incredible ways to get embodied. But yeah. when you're embodied, like you said, you have this, this body to actually parent out of. And right. then your child has that body to reflect back to. And that there's this right. 
great peace that comes from that and security. Yeah. I, you know, and you don't have to answer any questions. I, I, I'm a very personal person, so I always go into personal things. Yeah. So if anything feels too personal, you can say, I don't want okay. to answer that. Okay, um, sure. But I, I, I guess I'm curious, your experience as a child, like, did, did you have, um, did you have a lot of ruptures or, you know, relational traumas that led you to this work? Or I'm curious. Totally. Yeah. No, yeah, totally did. Um, I feel that both of my parents didn't know how to regulate themselves. Um, and I don't blame them. Um, it is very generational. That's generational trauma and generational conditioning. And so I very much remember growing up with, um, constantly being ruptured, uh, having deep feelings within me of sadness, of anger, and not being really allowed to express those feelings. I totally remember, I remember one time even specifically with my dad sitting in the van and I was upset about something, crying about something, and literally my dad saying, just stop, just stop it. And I I remember my body shaking and me like just basically doing anything to keep those feelings within me. Mm. And I, and, and that carried into my adulthood of not feeling like I could really feel my feelings. So, yeah, so I definitely was conditioned by my parents, um, to not be able to be in my body and feel my feelings. I'm glad to use that example of the van because, um, as a trauma therapist, I'm always teaching people that you don't have to experience war to have trauma right right and that's a perfect example of something that seems so simple and so so kind of um what's the word i'm I'm looking for um i I guess like expected and accepted even um to tell a child to like shut up or be quiet or don't cry or stop moving but inside there's this implosion going on and when you're developing with that implosion that goes into your adulthood, like you said, and then we parent from those ruptures. Yeah. So it's totally. an important example, I think. Oh, yeah. And it completely affected me in the sense that um, I didn't know that I had anything to recover from. I didn't know I had anything to heal from. I love that with Nicole, the holistic psychologist, something that she really expands on is the definition of trauma. Like what you're talking about, you don't have to go to war to be traumatized. And so expanding that definition is incredibly important because people can then become aware that they do have valid, that there's validity in that they in recovering from something in their childhoods. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's completely, completely affected me. My life totally changed once I realized that I had the right to heal. Love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if you have this idea of, um, if you have this idea of comparing your situation, like, well, nothing extremely abusive ever happened to me. Right. You think, well, who am I to have these issues? Exactly. And I remember literally thinking, I totally remember thinking this when I was like 20, 21. Um, like there are people in the world who are starving and don't get to eat. Like, who am I to mm. say that my life has been hard? Yes. I was, I'm with you. I remember mm. that too. And then when you realize trauma is a response to an event versus an event, it becomes so much more personal and incomparable. It just becomes totally. this thing living in you. And then getting in touch with that, you can actually start healing it. Yep. So that that makes me think about tantrums. Because, yeah. you know, like I, I work with mostly adults. 
and I work with a bunch of adults, a bunch of kids through the adults, you know, like they'll come and talk about their children. I'll give them tools. Um, but tantrums are lifelong. Yeah. And so I'm curious, you know, how you see them and how you work with them or what your philosophy is. Yeah. Yeah. So tantrums are an um, emotional overload and not knowing what to do with those feelings and just expressing them as they come. And like you said, tantrums are lifelong. So I've often heard people say things like, Ooh, watch out for those toddler tantrums. And it's like, no, like it is your responsibility to, to be with your child as they're having a tantrum. It's not your responsibility to guide the emotions of another adult mm. but yeah it's mm-hmm. you it's not like you'll never experience the tantrum of another 30 year old another 40 year old another 50 year old in your life and so with tantrums it's incredibly important that a parent um uh, allows their child to feel the feeling. So for example, going back to that example with my dad in the van, that very much that likely was a, my dad probably was angry because he could feel that I was having a tantrum coming on. And what I was being taught was I wasn't allowed to have that tantrum. I was a bad kid for feeling my feelings and I had to keep that inside of me. So it's really important for parents to allow their children to just feel what's coming out of them. And often what happens is that parents get embarrassed or parents want to shush their children, especially if they're out in a public place, they, they, they allow shame to come over and not allow their child to express themselves naturally. And so that's the number one thing is to allow your child to feel those feelings and as a parent, you um, you show you can show them how to express those feelings in a healthy way. So it's not saying no, 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 don't feel those feelings. It's saying you have those feelings. This is what you can do with them. So if that be it going to another room and screaming, or going into or punching your pillow, or doing something to get that anger out, go and go take a run around the backyard, um, and so. Uh, feeling those feelings and then allowing them to uh, and then expressing them will teach children as they grow older that it's okay to have those feelings and as they grow older as they're allowed to feel and express those feelings they move through that tantrum more quickly adults who aren't allowed to have their tantrums or to express their feelings it 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 festers inside of them and eventually turns into rage until one day they snap Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's funny because when you're, when you're talking about, when you're saying like, when we're saying the it, I'm always interested in defining the it, like the it for me is literally a sensational energy yeah. that then we attach a, a feeling to. So we feel something, oh, love, we feel something, I'm angry. You know, we have words for it, but it all comes back to the energy and how it's moving in the body. Right. And so when you're talking about your father and any other parent that gets triggered when their child has an emotional outburst, we're talking about the child's energy is actually overwhelming the parent's nervous system because they aren't embodied or regulated, right? right. And so right. when you're saying like that shushing or quickly removing them from the restaurant or yelling them down, it's a panic that the parent is actually throwing onto the child who's already panicked, right? Totally. So there's this combustion occurring. Totally. Yep. So that is why emotional regulation is so, so, so important. Um, But how do you know something that you've never been taught? Right. So it's just a cycle. Right. And that's the part that's where you find that innocence in it. Right. Because it's when you see when you see what parents do, or you are a parent, you do it yourself, or you're a child, and you've thought about how your parents treated you. There's this, um, you know, it's always 
it's hard to say the word innocent sometimes. It can be really triggering, you know, if you have a, a parent that's very abusive uh, verbally right. or emotionally or physically. Right. Um, so what I mean by innocent is is it's so programmed into their body already that their capacity is so low to even endure your emotions. Right. They're coming from their own place of fear versus, you know, pure malice. Right. Um, in most cases. And so when I think of your father and I think of my own father, I, I see, and I'm projecting, you can tell me, but I just see, you know, these people who had very low capacity because how they were parented. And so they literally had no tools or language for this. Totally. I completely agree. And I really also come back to the thought that um, people can only give you what they can give themselves. So I, it, it is difficult. I mean, no, I definitely do still have those moments of anger. They subside quickly. And often the thought comes to my brain that um, he, as much as I felt like I wasn't allowed to be my true self and express myself, he must have been feeling that way as well. Mm, mm, so absolutely. it's not like I was, uh, it's not like he specifically victimized yes. me. He was going through that as well. That's my exact experience. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's the, that's the golden rule for life in general. You know, yeah. the way we treat others is how we treat ourselves. Totally. And so you're, you're seeing this extension of someone else's pain when they're causing you pain. Totally. And something else that was coming up for me that I thought was just important was when you were talking about um, allowing the child to have the emotions what that literally means for me is that that child is actually able to relate to their emotions or by having them and by the parents being calm and creating a container, they create a relationship to themselves, right? So then when they get older, like you're saying, these emotions are really kind of welcomed. It's like you can welcome the stress of events of life because you've, you've had those developmental years of learning how to be in relationship to it. Sure. But when you're cutting your child off from it, you're shutting it down the child then is literally dissociating from their own emotional self. Is that your right. experience too? Uh, yes, I would say that that's my experience. Um, and I completely agree with you. It's a completely, um, every, every per, to me, your emotions are divine tools. Mm -hmm. Every person is going to be born with um, the ability to feel emotions and we need them. They are messages from our body. They're telling us what's right for us, what's wrong for us, how we feel about certain things. And so um, it's important for parents to nurture that and to teach children that they're tools rather than things to be suppressed. Mm. I see it. I get so excited with those kind of conversations, these kind of conversations, because I think of like, my mind starts dreaming about the school system. Like my prayer for the school system. Yeah. And part of it is exactly what you're saying. Like, like I'm thinking it'd be amazing if nonviolent communication and such was taught in the school systems where emotions are really amazing things and how do we communicate and how do we use them to navigate our truths and our needs. Right. And that also relates 100% to the soma, you know, to the body. Because there's also this, there's this um, rigidity placed on children to not be so physically wild and not to move as much and not to right. like, wriggle. And isn't that just as important to, to have that, uh, what do we want to call it? Like um, um, 
there's that word I'll call, I'll use the word independence right now Mm -hmm. to have that independence of moving their body as they wish. Isn't that synonymous with also feeling those emotions and expressing them? For sure. No, it totally is. And I totally get what you say when you talk about the school system, you know, even young, young, young children, if they're forced to sit behind a desk for, I don't know, six, five, six hours a day, Mm -hmm. that is incredibly difficult. That's incredibly Mm -hmm. stifling for a child, for someone who's looking outside and seeing how beautiful it is. Yes. They can't focus on what their teacher is saying. They're not learning anyway. So what are they, they, what are they actually learning in the end? To just basically be a zombie. And um, yeah, so I, I agree with you with what you're saying. That body movement, that independence, being able to basically move their body how they wish is taken away from them in the mm. school setting. And other things are taken away. And I think that there's way more um, uh, like life tools that should be taught within the mm-hmm. school system. I could go on for hours and hours Me too. about that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. You know, because it, it's it seems like it's the focus is more on what we know and what we learn versus what we feel and what we experience. Right. And I find that I find you know the latter, what we feel and what we experience, that actually needs to be taught more than what we know because our minds learn things so quickly. But the body very easily, you know, around four, three, even if you, depending on the daycare or such, the body's already being conditioned out of its um, natural, natural wisdom of mm-hmm. boundaries and needs and just the, the wisdom to even know how to move trauma. We're born with that wisdom. And then we learn, like you're saying, six, seven hours in a desk. I remember being analyzed by a psychiatrist when I was, I was in Catholic school growing up. And one of the questions were, if a dog barks outside the window, do you look? And I said, yeah. And that was like the wrong answer. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Oh my gosh. You know, so it's like, that's, that's the mentality in a lot, of, a lot of educational and societal systems, even for adults. I remember when I first studied somatic therapy, it was, it was so, so groundbreaking because all the professors and everyone there was aware of somatics. So every couple minutes, you were encouraged to move your body and stand up and walk around the room. And I thought, what a great way to learn. Yeah. So I, I like, how do you as a, as a parent, um, how do you personally in your body when you see, how, wait, well, I should ask you how old your stepchildren are. Um, uh, 11, twin, twin, 11 year old boys. <laughs> oh, wow. And how long have you been in their life? Like, from what uh, age to two, uh, it's been two years, about two years I've been part of their lives. Nice. And what, so what's it like for you to do this work and then to experience it? Like, what, what, which, where, where are your challenges? Where are your epiphanies? Sure. Sure. So, um, I really started to analyze parenting in the sense that I really started to analyze the parenting I received when I started my healing journey when I was 23 years old. Mm. So when I was, I went through my dark night of the soul, my deep depression, why am I here? Why am I like this? And, um, eventually I started to learn about generational trauma. And then I very much analyzed my, um, my childhood and my parents and, and I, um, and, and through, I kind of realized through that, 
how I missed out on what I needed. And so as I grew older, I eventually started to work in uh, parent education. And I used to work with other parents and parenting their children. And then when I became a step parent, it was when I saw for myself how my tools and techniques and my ideas about parenting actually worked. Mm. So it was, it was great for me because I had, I instinctually is my intuition that told me this is what I needed as a child. Mm. And this is what works in parenting. And once I actually saw it for myself as a step parent, then it was just so validating that yes, you're on the right path. Yes, this is what works. Um, and it feels great. Now, where in that experience of of parenting them the way you wanted to be parented, let's say, where does that heal you? Like, where do you find yourself being nourished just by your own parenting to somebody else? Uh, Well, it's... It, it Well, it's validating. And I mean, it just feels good. Like when you're validating the feelings of a child and you see that it comforts them, then it is comforting to me. And it does give back to me that this is like authenticity and this is true. And it's, um, and I know that you can't go back into the past and change things. However, you can do things on a quantum level. I don't know if you've read into, into that. Yeah. So I think that it helps me on a quantum level and it is healing. And, uh, if you've ever, I mean, a lot of people have have heard that term hurt people hurt people and so it also the opposite is true too so healed or healing people heal people Mm -hmm. and so it is healing just like for an abuser for some for an abuser who's abusing someone it hurts the abuser and it hurts the victim so for someone who's doing something healing it's healing for the person who's doing the healing and it's healing for the person who's receiving the healing Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you brought all that up. You know, there's actually a term called perpetrator trauma. And it's this phenomenon that's what currently being widely studied how when someone perpetrates abuse onto someone else, how much it ruptures their body. Biologically, like health issues, inflammation, high blood pressure, so much is happening. And to hurt someone, you have to actually be so disembodied so you don't feel that pain. So you're very numb usually at that point. Um, so I'm saying that because when you say about the the generational trauma and the quantum healing, I find that so important because with with trauma, with a traumatized system, your body is actually holding the charge of the past. It's not the past, but the charge of the past is currently right. in your present body. Yeah. So when you're co-regulating with your 11-year-old twin step boys <laughs> and you're, you're, you're holding space with them and you're with, you're literally co-regulating that part of your own traumatized system, right? Yeah, so you're yeah. presently healing a past wound, which I think is just mind blowing. Yeah. It's very cool. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. I find that a lot with my daughter and I, I think it's just so magical. And, and, you know, with that, there's a couple of things I want to ask you, but I, I guess, I guess that, that does bring me into, into the reparenting self. Yeah. But specifically in response to what we just said, like our parents' truths and what they did and our ancestral traumas that come and are stored in our DNA and our bodies, part of reparenting is healing those. So you break that cycle of continuing what they did. Right. So I'm curious just where you go with that first part of first identifying 
what's mine and what's theirs? Like, where am I working from their truth versus my own? Right. Um, Okay, so that is, it is a little bit difficult because you can definitely embody uh, someone else's truth as your own. So uh, you, like for me, myself, what I do is I do journaling and inner work where I relate any hurts that I've had to my childhood. Um, And so... uh, it's hard because like, I hear what you're saying is how do you make that separation? And honestly, sometimes you can't Mm. because that hurt hurts no matter what doesn't matter if it's been passed down through the generations, if you're hurting from it, then it's yours. Um, and, uh, so you just, you work with the, the pains that you have within yourself, um, in, in, and identify, kind of identifying the source. So what happened with my parent? Why do I feel this way? So for example, for me, Mm -hmm. I have money trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in a family where we didn't have very much money. And, but also we weren't like considered, like I didn't grow up in poverty Mm -hmm. and uh, it took me so long to realize that I still had the right to feel, to have the money trauma that I did because we ate every day. We had a roof over our heads. Um, And so, yeah, it took me a long time to be able to come to the truth. I had the right to feel about money the way that I did. And so um. For me, for working through money trauma, like I, like, for example, I'll get triggered when I hear of a billionaire who doesn't pay his employees well, because guess what? Many of those employees are parents who I'm sure are struggling to feed their children. So for me, it's very much like me journaling. How did this start? And I remember when I was younger, my dad telling me, you need to get a good job and make, and, and then that way you'll make good money. And I remember for me, I'm I'm much more emotional than my brother and my sister. So affected me differently because I didn't know, I wasn't consciously thinking as a child, my emotional needs aren't being met. I was thinking, no, 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 no. Money doesn't matter that much because there was just something within me that knew that there was something missing in my life. Hmm. So in terms of reparenting, like I have to consciously meditate and I have to read about how all the good that money does and experience it for myself. Um, And so then that's a way that I have to reparent this wound that maybe was handed down through the generations, but it's still mine to take care of now. So I'm going to go through that because there's so many important parts that I thought were interesting. Um, the first part I loved is allowing yourself to have the right to feel what you're feeling. Yeah. Because the, like you were saying earlier, emotions are, I don't know exactly how you said it, but the way I heard it was there these invitations to really learn more about yourself and what you need and what you don't and such. Right. Yeah. Tools, right? So if you're denying the emotions of an experience, you're actually denying the doorway through the healing as well. Totally. So, when you were able to feel the emotions that you felt from money, not even knowing why you felt them at first, but you felt them, that started bringing you into the origins of these beliefs with what your father would teach you. Is that correct? Right. Correct. And then when you found those origins, that's where I would imagine some separation occurred. Um, I wouldn't even say emotionally necessarily, but it's an identity of, 
oh, that was his. That's not mine. I just adopted that because I was raised in that. Right. And yes. where did that come from in him? Did you ever figure that out or do you know anything about that? Um, so I think that it probably came from him because in, um, well, my family, both my mother's side of the family, my father's side of the family were deeply affected by World War II. My family, most of my family, they live in Europe. And so like my grandmother and my dad's mother was very much affected by World War II. Um, and so I think that, uh, when you grow in an era, when you're growing up in an era where it can be difficult to know where your next meal is coming from, et cetera, et cetera, then money becomes invaluable. Mm -hmm. And so I'm assuming that she very much valued money and passed that on to my father who passed it on. Who, who, then I, th th this was a way that I had my money trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been quite the journey. And I still, and I get even from, and I, and I get triggered by it still. Like even just last week, one of my stepkids was asking me, um, he was saying something like, uh, they love cars. They love, love cars, like <laughs> Lamborghinis and expensive cars. And, um, and they were saying something, they're just talking about cars. And then they're like, Anna, like, if you had a million dollars, would you buy like this, you know, super expensive car? And I was like, no, I wouldn't. And they're like, why? And I'm, I'm like, to me, I'm like, oh my God, that much money. Heck no, I'm not going to spend like a million bucks on a car. And he was feeling, and, and my, one of my stepsons was like, but why, like, what would you spend your money on? And it triggered me mm. because I, because I was like, there are other, like I would give, I literally said to him, I would donate it to charities. I would give it to poor people. And that's my money trauma speaking. Um, yeah. So I still get triggered by it and I still have to work through it. I, you know, I like that. Um, and just for everyone listening, I like to like I always tell people whatever word we put before the word trauma just means that's the thing that causes overwhelm in our systems, right? Yeah. And yeah. so when you say money trauma, it's it's like the, the having to have the capacity to hold the energy of money is very it's it's a I wouldn't say it's frail, but it's it's like um it's very delicate, you know. And when you talk about your family history, um I have, you know, I have immigrant I come from immigrants as well, like direct. And so I know there's that poverty trauma that comes yeah. from, you know, my grandfather grew up in a sugarcane plantation. So it's yeah. like, there's such a fear around having a lot, having a little, having enough. It doesn't matter how much it is, it terrifies the body totally. and that gets passed down. Oh, so, yeah. so when you found the origins of those and you realized that wasn't, that's not me, that's my dad, right. but I attached to these, what started happening in your life? Like, where did you find changes as you reparented that philosophy and belief of money? Um, I became more okay with making more money. Um, and so, for example, like with my parenting business so I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and I have a course coming out I feel okay with charging more money in terms of with my coaching business and I say that specifically because with my course I am charging less money because I want it to be 
accessible, mm-hmm. more accessible. But in terms of coaching, I'm okay with charging a little bit more money. Um, and I have to work at being okay with that. Um, and I, there have been points in my life where I was okay with making a lot of money and then something would happen. So for example, I remember one time I was making great money at a company and then it turned out that the owners, top management were doing kind of shady things and the company went downhill. And I remember feeling like somehow the universe was punishing me for wanting to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then it happened to me again. And then I started working for another business where um, there's a bunch of stuff going on and eventually the company went bankrupt. And again, there was me like, but I was making great money and then this happened. Mm-hmm. So it was like a psychological thing for me mm-hmm. that when you make a lot of money, bad things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. So I and my partner has, but you know, I have to say my partner has helped so much because he he's been pivotal in me healing my money trauma. He is um, from my standards, wealthy guy, um, he owns a business and, but he is wonderful. He pays his employees. Well, there's been times when his employees have like, for whatever reason, even though he pays them well, something will come up. Like he's even paid before for like someone's horse. He's given them money for like a mortgage. Mm. And that to me is beautiful. That someone who makes so much money gives away so much of his money. Mm. And so he has been pivotal in helping me heal from my, my money trauma because he's an example to me. Like, you're not a bad person or bad things don't happen if you make a lot of money because here's proof. Mm-hmm. My partner is proof. And I, I'm, I'm benefiting from him making so much money and it feels good. So yeah, he's really helped me heal. I love that. I love when you're open to healing, you just start noticing everyone's your teacher right? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. for better or worse, they're all your tea. And you're just so you want the you're thirsty for the lesson. And you're mm-hmm. like, give it to me. And mm-hmm. when you're talking about your twins, your, your twin step boys, is step boys a proper term? Step, yeah, I mean, step okay. boys, step kids, like, okay. <laughs> one's sure. I, you know, I just want to call them your twin boys. I don't know if that's proper. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, to tie it back to tie it back and to start closing our, our little episode together. I'm just thinking about how for parents who are open to healing through having children, um, it's so much different than putting your healing on your children because some people have children because they want to be more complete or they want someone to love them or they want to create this amazing child that they weren't. There's this lot being put on that child's body. Right, yeah. Versus I'm going to let this child bring up in me what hasn't been healed so I can yeah. heal myself and then they'll just co-regulate with me naturally. Yeah. Can you oh, just yeah. touch in on that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so there is a huge difference. Um, I did a post on Instagram a couple months ago that talked all about this and the title of it was, I think it was Why Living for Your Child Backfires. Mm. Um and it's all about how unconsciously 
parents will ha- will uh, treat their children as a way to um, to try to heal their own childhood. So, for example, um, uh, a mother who is obsessed with uh, giving her child material things because that mother grew up in poverty. But the mother is so obsessed with, with giving that child material things that they ignore their emotional needs. And in a way, then they create trauma within their child for not attending to them emotionally. Um, so there is definitely a huge unconscious way that parents, that people will have children um, to, to try to heal something within themselves versus what you're saying with having a child and then healing and allowing that child to become part of that parent's healing journey. Mm. Um, I think that, uh, but it's hard because, and this is part of why I love this movement so much, because how do you know? Because so much of this trauma and this conditioning is unconscious. So how do you know? How do you, how do you know something you don't know? You don't, right? That's exactly yep. why it's unconscious. You don't know that you don't know. Um, and so, yeah, that's part of my, um, that's part of my like messaging and part of my uh, just wanting to get out there is that there is a way to work with your children where it's healing for you and it's healing for the child. Um, I've had parents write me, I've had, Oh, I've, you know, comments and messages and parents writing me. I've never thought about this. Oh my God, thank you so much. And it feels really, really good. Um, and, and I'm not the only one doing it. I know that you are on Instagram, Nicole Hollis, the holistic psychologist, she's been huge on Instagram and I really feel that with us coming together and getting this message out um, of healing and with uh, using children as a part of your healing journey, allowing them to be their authentic self is healing for you is a huge movement right now, as it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to close with that because um, I think you know, I, I was so opposed to Instagram for so many years. Mm-hmm. I, I was just not into any kind of social media. But there is this shift, maybe always has been there, but I'm just noticing it now, where there's like social media, and then there's this like teaching media. Mm-hmm. And there's people that aren't sharing their personal lives or their personal beliefs as much as they're actually teaching something. And I just have to say that I, I love I love your work for that reason. It's it's a safe space to go to. It's so neutral and positive and loving and inv- invitational. So you can just go and everything you see, there's nothing that's shaming or damning anyone. It's just inviting you to think about something a little differently. And then you can actually apply it in that moment to your body and your life. You don't have to even buy your course or work with you. You just get it right there. Right. And there's something so generous about that. Um, so I just want to thank you for that service. And remind everybody listening, if you're a parent, or if you want to parent yourself over, like you don't have to be a parent to do this work. You can do right. this work yeah, yeah. as an adult that wanted parents and didn't have them, right? So um, check out the Holistic Parents. She's doing beautiful work. And I really thank you for, for being here today. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Thank you. For more information on Anna and to work with her, you can visit her on Instagram at the Holistic Parent. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice. What's your body doing? 
right now. Sit with it. Let it speak to you. And let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen. For all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. For more information on my work, including my online courses and healing circles, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook, where I share weekly philosophies and resources to help you release stress and trauma from your body so that you can live a happier life. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time.